This is Lou Elizondo, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. I'd like to thank Motley Fool for sponsoring this episode. I've said before on ads that looking after yourself financially gets harder and harder with the cost of everything going up. Being a tight Scotsman, I use every method I can possible to save a little here or make the most of what I have there. Motley Fool is one way that you can definitely look to maximise your income from investments. The age of stock picking is here with towering inflation and elevating interest rates. Sticking your money in a passive market just isn't going to get you what it used to, but it doesn't mean you have to abandon the market. There are still ways to invest for the future. You just need to know where to look, which is where The Motley Fool comes in. The Motley Fool Stock Advisor Service highlights two stocks each and every month for members to add to their portfolios and it literally is paid to listen to them. Historically, their average stock recommendation is up over 400% as of April 10th, 2023. And listeners of That UFO Podcast can now access Motley Fool Stock Advisor for just $89 for their first year, a full $110 off the list price. What are you waiting for? Visit fool.com slash podcast. That's F-O-O-L dot com slash podcast to start your investing journey today. $110 discount off of $199 per year list price. Membership will renew annually at the then current list price. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and I am joined by an author, researcher, presenter, playwright. Welcome addition to the UAP Media UK team from across the pond and of course, as if he didn't have enough titles, host and creator of the brilliant Somewhere in the Skies podcast. Everyone, speak up a little bit for Ryan Sprague. Ryan, welcome back. (laughs) Thank you, buddy. I know we were talking off air for probably longer than this actual episode will be right yeah (laughs) that always seems to happen but no thank you for having me and um thanks for reaching out during that weird month where yeah i kind of went deaf so uh um for anyone who who reached out to me i do truly appreciate it i know a lot of your listeners listen to my show too and everyone's just been so kind you know as a podcaster it's our job to to listen literally and i Mm. was not able to do that for for a while so it's a little scary but um moved onward moved upward and um yeah decided to release a book i guess and during all this craziness ironically no one's going to hear that piece either because i'm going to cut it out no i'm joking that that'll get left in um but yeah no it's good to hear you're back uh, hear you're back no pun intended and obviously no, you're, you're back in the game and you, you never skipped a beat i think you had like a couple of days where you were going to release something and you had to put it off but life gets in the way it happens to all of us but podcasting goes on folks and yeah ryan's here to talk about like he's mentioned the second book on the ufo topic following up on somewhere in the skies a human approach to the ufo phenomenon was the first book you've been on you've spoken about that pick up a copy of it folks you might as well and go back and check out that interview Uh, your latest book ryan stories from somewhere in the skies is a compilation of experiences that were sent to you from ordinary everyday folks like myself uh i'm in the book and military personnel as well that really cover i think the length and breadth of the ufo conversation not just of what people see but what they hear and feel during the sightings and sometimes as we'll get to more than sightings as well is that fair Absolutely, man. You know, um, the podcast has been going since 2016. And since then, I've had hundreds of people uh, reach out to me and submit their their stories. And I created a series just for that called Witness Accounts. And 
I think I'm up to almost like 30 volumes of this. So it's clear that, like you mentioned, people in all walks of life are still having UFO sightings. Yeah, a lot of them happened a while ago, but I'm getting people still coming to me today having had sightings, what, a couple months ago. I mean, some of those stories you'll see in this new book are very recent. I mean, in the last few months, I actually had to reach out to the publisher for one of them and be like, oh, stop the presses. I've got a good one that just happened like two weeks ago, and I think it'd be really good to to put it in there. So yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a vast array of phenomena clearly happening all around the world throughout the decades. And I decided, you know what? Why not just lay it all out there? Lay all the cards out, just put the stories out there in book form, so that you don't have to go back into the archives of Summer in the Skies and, and listen to everyone. Here's kind of my my greatest hits, as I've been calling it, 50 stories that um, hopefully people have never really heard before and will will get something out of them, I hope. Well, I think um, if you're on YouTube, you can see the book cover in the background behind Ryan. Um, if you're listening to this on audio, Ryan, do you want to tell us and give the, the illustrator a bit of a shout out and we'll you know support all kinds of creators on the podcast as best we can. Um, who was it designed the cover and what does it show? Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah, so um, the book cover artist is a, a Instagram artist that I've been following for years now. Um, her Instagram handle is cult.class and she does these really cool, um, collage art pieces. And I noticed as I was following her that, uh, she started doing a lot of UFO collages and I was really curious, like, where did these come from? What, why all of a sudden did she start doing all these flying saucer kind of pieces? Um, so I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, I'm a UFO researcher and I noticed you've got this new theme of UFOs throughout your work. What's up with that? And she's like, oh, honestly, it's because I started listening to UFO podcasts. You know, she mentioned you at one point. She mentioned me. Um, I think she she's a Joe Rogan fan as well. And um, she's like, yeah, I, I'd love to, you know, work with you someday, somehow, if that's ever possible, if you're looking for like, whatever, new show art or stuff like that. And I, I threw the Hail Mary, man. I was just like, look, I'm coming out with a new book. If you have any interest, I'd love to hire you to do the the entire cover. And she was like, you don't have to hire me. Consider it done. Um, so, yeah, her name is Caitlin Grabenstein, um, and she just does incredible work. She was a dream to work with from start to finish. And, you know, I can be pretty picky when it comes to to stuff like that, whether it's the logo of the podcast or the art that I use. And uh, she was probably sick of me by the time the book came out, but um, it was awesome, man. Just working with a creative person who has a passion for this topic as well. And um, together we created a cover that I'm super proud of. And it's it's pretty self-explanatory. It's a, a woman looking up into the sky and, and seeing something that she can't explain. And I didn't really want, you know, like a flying saucer on the cover. I didn't want to go that in your face so that I wanted it to be vague, ambiguous. And um, that's kind of, again, what these phenomena often represent. So she had the, you know, kind of the, the stroke of genius in my, in my opinion, to just put a reflection of lights in the sunglasses of this, this girl looking up into the sky. And um, I loved it. I was like, yep, that's exactly 
what I wanted for this. So yeah, if Caitlin Grabenstein's listening, uh, thank you. Thank you for truly making the book something special. People have been commenting a lot about the cover. So I, I, I just hope they also read the book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And obviously, thanks to Caitlin for listening to a couple of massive podcasts uh, and Joe Rogan's as well. So that's appreciated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, you got a wonderful foreword in, uh, from Diana Walsh-Pasilka, uh, former guest of your podcast, my podcast. Um, she's coming back on ooh, in about a month's time, probably into, into June. Um, she actually compared your approach to that of Jacques Vallée, Ryan. How did that make you feel? Uh vastly insecure um i was (laughs) i was very humbled by that and you know um while i will have to respectfully disagree because jacques valet jacques valet um i do really appreciate the the comparison that she made um you know jacques has always been about the people yeah yeah he loves data and he, he, you know, that's that's his thing too. But he has always looked at the UFO phenomenon as a also a cultural phenomenon, and what people's beliefs um, represent, and how that can influence what they're actually seeing, and and whatnot. So the fact that she mentioned Jacques and me in the same, you know, sentence, I, I was truly humbled because I did want to follow in the footsteps of. UFO researchers like that who took a more humanistic approach to all of this. I I respect the hell out of anyone who actually goes out there, gathers data, tries to find patterns and correlations. Um, meanwhile, I hope someone like me who who focuses more on the individuals having the experience can also find patterns and, and correlations in that sense. And how can we merge that data together to try to more fully comprehend and understand these phenomena is that even possible i don't know but it's kind of the approach that i i've made since i started you know looking into Mm. ufos and the approach i still take today i i truly think there's something there the, the first book, obviously, as I mentioned, the title was Somewhere in the Skies, A Human Approach to the UFO Phenomenon. We talked about that at length and and what you enjoy about that approach. The individuals, we talk about, you know, Kevin Day, who, who famously was involved in the Nimitz Princeton incident in 2004, and how he first saw this had all came out sitting in a diner, didn't he? You know, and he was just gobsmacked. There it was on TV, this encounter that had kind of massively affected his life and, and how it affected his life, you know, in quite dramatic ways. As people know, Kevin's very open about issues he's had and his own kind of personal demons, shall we say, over the years. And he's kind of come out the other end of that. Um, and that's something that you, you've really honed in on. Again, for the second book, getting the individual's testimony. Um, a quote just after the foreword uh, from 17th century clergyman and historian Thomas Fuller. I had to Google that. Um, Seeing is believing, but feeling is truth. A lot of what draws people into this topic is testimony. Also, there are just as many folks, I think, who it divides and drives away because they hate just the idea of it's someone's story. Um testimony relies on what the witness has seen what they feel what they heard what they sensed it's their word against anyone else's and i know that my my stories in your book um are two of them and it literally could be me making it making it up it's not i've said that before but this could be 50 stories of people telling you lies what is it that attracts you to testimony from individuals when they don't necessarily have data or evidence to back it up i'm happy you bring that up because you're right you know, I, I, I can't, I, I'm not here to convince anyone that these experiences actually happen. I'm not here to convince anyone that UFOs are 
extraterrestrial, interdimensional time travelers, or black budget projects. I'm here to tell people stories and give them a platform to do that. So I, I don't judge. I was not there when these events happened. I've used that excuse, I guess a lot of people say, um, for many years now, but it's true. Like I was not there when you saw what you saw. Nobody was there when I saw what I saw. Um, so all we have is to rely on these individuals that they are telling us a truth. And I use a truth because it is their truth. I, yeah. I truly believe that. And that's why I use that quote by the clergyman in the beginning. Like, yeah, a lot of people believe that seeing something is to believe it. When for me, I think it really comes down to a uh, feeling, like a gut feeling. And for the 50 stories I included in this book, um, I just used my gut. These were the stories that stuck out to me that seemed the most credible in many different ways, but that also resonated with me. I mean, I, you know that feeling of looking up and seeing something that you can't readily process or, or comprehend. And um, I got that from a lot of these stories. I, I could see myself kind of in the shoes of these individuals, even though I wasn't there. So it really does come down to feeling for me. Um, and that's why I decided to include these stories, because these are the stories where it did drastically affect people. It did change them. And, and honestly, man, they're just weird. Like a lot of the stories in this book are fucking weird. And well, I love that. I absolutely love that. It's not your prototypical just gray saucer in the sky. Yeah. So aside from gut feeling, what's what's your what's Ryan Sprague's five observables for making your book? You know, have you got like a it hits this, it ticks this box, it ticks this box, it maybe misses this, but there's enough covered here that it gets in. As opposed to you, you hear someone's story and just for whatever reason, it doesn't make it because of X or Y. What's kind of cut off points for you? Yeah. So I mean, for me, I it's not again like. It's not the five observables as we've come to know it. Like, I'm not here to try to resolve. I, I'm not Sean Kirkpatrick. I'm not Luis Elizondo. I'm not. I'm not trying to, um, you know, stop a potential threat from happening. Um, I'm here to listen to the person's story. And I know I keep saying that and dragging it out, but it's true. Like, I love doing that. I'm the guy. Like you mentioned, I'm a playwright too. I'll sit in the back of like a bar back when I was in New York or even here in Scotland and just listen to the conversations around me, um, kind of eavesdrop on people because I just love, I love how individuals interact with one another and, um, and kind of hearing their stories. Um, even if I probably shouldn't be, I, I know it comes off a little creepy, um, but that's what playwrights do. We try to understand people and, 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 convey that through our own characters and creations um i'm i'm going off on a diatribe here i apologize um no no my my observables are then um i i will circle it back to my playwriting a ufo sighting is a pinnacle moment in someone's life sometimes not always but a lot of the times mm. it changes them um it changes their entire framework and what they believe fundamentally a lot of the times in a play, it's the same exact thing. Otherwise, why the hell are we sitting in an uh, uncomfortable seat for two hours in the dark watching this thing play out? Like something has to happen. Something They need to change throughout the course of a play. Um, so these were the stories that I felt 
I could really truly show an individual in one way, an obstacle, an experience, and change by the end of it and come out on the other side um, with with just the world being different. Um, and and that's kind of what I did. That, 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 I guess that's my observables. I can't go with like point by point by point, but these yeah. are the ones that stuck out to me. The I guess what I'm trying to really say is these are the stories that I think I could put on a stage like that. I could like throw in front of people and be like, Hey, for the next three hours, you're going to watch all these people who say that they had a UFO sighting and, and um, see if it resonates with you at all. And my goal and my hope is by the end, everyone's either going to be laughing, crying or talking about it afterwards. That's the dream of any writer is that, you know, if they leave the theater and it's just like, ah, whatever, let's go to the bar and forget this ever happened. Um, you failed as a writer. Um, you want them to talk about that shit for weeks and weeks and years to come. Um, so I hope that's what happens with this book. I hope people will read it and connect somehow with some of the stories and be like, wow, yeah, whatever the hell these things are in the skies, um, they're doing something to people. I'd like to thank Liquid IV for sponsoring this episode. Folks, you've heard me bang on about my own health and fitness journey the last year or so and how it's true that by looking after yourself, you just feel better. Staying hydrated is key to having the energy to get through your daily routine feeling good. That's where Liquid IV is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being and their hydration multiplier is the one product you may be missing in that daily routine. Eating and drinking healthy can sometimes be boring, but the range of flavours offered by Liquid IV takes care of that, with lemon and lime, pina colada and tropical punch among some of the best, though I'm particularly fond of the strawberry lemonade. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone, containing five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12 and vitamin C, with three times the electrolytes of premium sports drinks and its non gm and gluten-free, dairy and soya-free too. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code THATUFO at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code THATUFO at liquidiv.com. Is, what's your limit? Is there something that you get to, and this UFO topic I think many of us have, either aspects of it we struggle with or that you maybe reserve judgment but you go look for me this is the kind of step too far and that's different for everybody you know in terms of the conversation I've often said you know orb stories and orb testimony as much as the the orb thing seems to be coming back into you know the kind of the forefront of the conversation because of the Mosul orb stuff from Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp and what Dr Sean Kirkpatrick showed at the recent hearings and but for me you look at the Bledsoe story and some of the things people share, you look and go, ah, it looks so much like dust or a flower or a bug. Um, what for What for you, or do you have anything that you go, ah, this just doesn't kind of turn it on for me? Hmm. That's a tough question because I feel like I, I change my mind constantly when it comes to that. Like, I, I think, I think there were moments probably in the last uh, year or so where I got super cynical and like um, my skeptic hat was just, just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, I had to step back. And, and I think a lot of that Andy had to do with everything going on 
in in the UFO conversation now. It, yeah. it was the constant debates back and forth on did the gimbal rotate or um, did the Tic Tac actually go from 80,000 feet to the surface and then back to eight, blah, 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 blah. Um, endless debates and conversations about the very minutia of a lot of these military UFO events. Um, and then you would have people in the UFO field just ripping each other to shreds about um, just such small things. And I know those small yeah. things add up to big things that could eventually solve a case. I get it. I totally get it. Um, but for me, I, I I wanted to go back to why I originally got involved with any of this. And that was uh, crazy stories from people who, who um, have seen things they can't explain. So yeah. now when I am looking at a lot of these cases that I think might sound ridiculous, I, I'm now embracing it more than ever. Like, th- for example, there's a case in Fife, Scotland, in the book from a dude named Tommy. And when I originally heard this story, I'm like, ah, I don't want to put this in the book. It's too weird. That was for the original book, Somewhere in the Skies. Mm-hmm. Like, I want this to come across as super credible, and people are just going to think, you know, that that's just too strange. Um and that story was about literally this like crazy oil slick that was on a road that this guy Tommy saw. And um, this oil slick came levitated off of the ground and started ascending into the sky. And meanwhile, it's like boiling and bubbling, mm-hmm. and getting bigger and bigger. And it's also making this crazy ass noise um, that was like deafening to Tommy and his friend that were seeing this. And there was electricity happening all around this bubbling black blob that it just like ascended from the ground and then it just shot up into the sky and disappeared so crazy ass story that i was like eh, just a little a little too too out there for me um whereas now i'm like i have to put that in the book that's yeah. insane if this actually happened wow like that's a ufo i've never seen or heard of before um so I think again, man, it, it's just about embracing the more high strangeness aspects to a lot of this. Um, so I saw that as an evolution in my own thinking, in my own um, uh, open-minded approach to this stuff. And I, I feel like all of us in the UFO field go through these ebbs and flows throughout this journey of believing and not believing, or or judging something and then being open to it. And right now, I'm more open than ever i'm embracing the woo man and and it's actually been pretty fun whether i believe it or not is completely separate from yeah from the conversation um these people believe it it is their truth again like i mentioned in that that clergyman quote and uh i just wanted to let them tell the story in whatever way they see fit so no limits limitless right now over at somewhere in the skies Nice. And I like that approach. And I, I can agree and resonate with that whole having to kind of reset at times because, you know, when you have a podcast and I've got a podcast, it's very much like it's down to kind of what you want it to sound like. You know, you don't have to listen to everyone wants this and everyone wants that because everyone's different. And I've put out shows sometimes where I've thought, and I'll be honest, recently the Crop Circle one where uh, Karen Alexander and Gary King, um, UK-based researchers, Crop Circles is quite a niche within the UFO topic. And 
I wasn't sure how that one would go down. And when I announced it, you get a few people who are like, I don't agree with the whole crop circle, not my bag, all that kind of stuff. So many people got in touch to say, thanks for finally doing an episode on crop circles. Love the idea of crop circles. And like I say, it's it's a kind of split split thing because some people love it. Some people are on the fence. Some people not so much. But there was people who appreciated it and wanted to hear it. And that's that whole variety pack of cereal, you know, there's something for everyone. And that's the UFO topic in a nutshell. And you kind of forget sometimes that it's not always about what's happening in the US. It's not always about the historical right. stuff. It's there's, there's something for everyone within it. And you have to kind of reset sometimes and go, I like this, but someone else likes this and someone else likes this. Someone will like all of it. And then other people are very, very niche and like like what they like. And yeah, you just have to reset sometimes with it. And um, I like in the book, you've split it into three parts. You've got sightings, close encounters and military personnel. Um, so we'll dig into each of those a little bit. Why those three particular aspects of a UFO experience? Yeah. So, I mean, sightings obviously is the most common thing in the world of UFOs. Everyone's seen something in the sky they can't explain. Mostly everyone. Um, so that is obviously the largest portion of the book. I, I When I looked at the chapter, like the table of contents, it was like sightings was the whole first page and second of the half, the next yeah. page. Um, and then, you know, close encounters, little bit of a chunk and then military even smaller um it, it just makes sense statistically you know um yeah. sightings include everybody civilians in every country state town um so obviously that's statistically going to be the most things that i cover but i did throughout the years i've had people also come to me with close encounter cases where they literally saw intelligence or occupants to the said craft that they cited um, and then military, I mean, obviously everyone loves those cases. Um, and I've had those as well. People who reached out to me and told their military stories. So I thought those were three clear and concise ways to kind of convey, uh, the, the voluminous amount of phenomena that's occurring. I mean, some of the military ones you would expect to be like a little bit more rigid and, um, mm -hmm. you know, these are trained observers and they'd be a bit more, uh, evidence driven when in reality, I think like the five or six military cases I cover are some of the most insane ones in the book. Yeah. All having happened on actual military bases. This wasn't just like a military veteran who had a UFO encounter 20 years later. All of the military cases in my book take place on the base while they're in service. So I think that says something too. So yeah, yeah I thought that last section, um, was really powerful because yeah you military ufo cases are are the talk of the town now they've been for the past few years um so i wanted to cover some that really haven't gotten as much coverage as the tic tac or the the gimbal or the mossul orb or what have you um some really out there cases from people who are trained observers and are just like you and me. Like, yeah, maybe they're in the military, but they're human beings and they had these crazy things happen to them as well. Uh, same with the close encounters. Like some people might brush it off. Like, eh, I don't believe in occupants of, I don't believe in like the alien aspect to a lot of this, but Hey, mm. these are credible individuals who said they saw it. So I'm not going to take that away from them. I'll put it out to the public to decide. Well, 
obviously you come on here to discuss this with me and we can have a chat and hopefully people enjoy the conversation. We then, let's be honest, want people to go out and pick up a copy of your book and hopefully they, they hear enough on this to go and do that if they haven't done so already. And I've seen lots of lovely testimony from, from folks online and reviews. If you haven't reviewed the book and you have bought it, please go and do that for Ryan. I know you would very much appreciate it, especially if you've bought it off Amazon on the platform. Um, but We'll dig into a little bit of each section without giving too much away because then that just, you know, wastes your time in writing the book. Um, do you want to pick maybe a little bit from each section to discuss? I don't know if you want to start with military personnel because you talked about it, but whatever order you want, uh, maybe a, a favorite aspect of each part. Yeah, sure. Um, in terms of the military ones, I was really racking my brain because, you know, you're one of the first podcasts I've come on since the book came out. And when you're trying to talk about like a new book or project um i it's like i went i'm going back to like my my first days as being on a podcast i'm so nervous and like insecure about the stuff that i put in the book so i'm like andy i don't know these cases that well yet i'm sorry dude if like i i get stuff wrong and you were just like just pick your favorites man just pick like sure. whatever comes and i really appreciated that because um there are cases in here that really stood out to me. And one of the military ones um, has never been told before in, in any medium, television, book. Uh, it was first told on on my podcast. And when it came to me, I was like, whoa, th this is pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, I can run through this one pretty quickly. Um, but uh, for any of your people watching this, I am going to be referring to a few notes. Um, this one was called The Fire Figure in the Outback. Um, so like you mentioned, we're so used to all this stuff happening in the U.S., but it's happening all over. Um, and it came to a woman from uh, Australia who went by the name Dalen, and she did 15 years in the Australian uh, Defense Forces. Uh, she was an electronics technician, and um, then her last four years in service, she was a dog, dog handler with the military police. So um, back in 2009, when she was stationed at a base out in the outback, she, um, her and her partner, they started witnessing these strange lights in a V formation over, you know, the base. And this was really late at night. They weren't expecting any incoming aircraft or outgoing aircraft. So she's like, oh, this is kind of weird. So she radios the flight tower and she's like, are there any flights scheduled tonight? And they're like, no, no. Why? And she's like, we, there is literally something over the base. And again, very classic V formation, kind of like the Phoenix lights or, um, you know, something like that. And they're like, no, um, can you go try to get closer and see if you guys can identify it? Like, yeah, sure, sure. So they continue out over this flight path on the base and, um, it's very dry and desert like out there. And while they're watching this V formation of lights out there, Dalen notices something um, down below, like in the brush near the flight path. And she's like, Whoa, what the heck is that? And it literally looked like the brush was on fire. She's like, oh, God, we got a fire. Like, call the fire department. So they radio the fire department. They're like, we think we have a brush fire out here. Um, you guys should probably get out here. And like, okay, well, we're coming out as quick as we can. Um, so Dalen and her partner... They move towards it to try to get a better look, make sure it's contained, this, that, this, that. And that's when they noticed that um, whatever the V formation of lights were in the sky uh, were still there, stationary, not moving. And below, whatever this brush fire was when she got closer, she noticed it was 
a self-isolated like fireball almost like just glowing orange red and inside of this fireball is what she described as um a figure a fire figure and i actually have a quote from her here from from the book she says it looked like there was just a pair of legs not like standing in their burning but the shape of legs in this light there was nobody attached to it there were no feet. All I could see was a pair of skinny little calves, knees, and thighs. So pretty crazy. You've got like this kind of um, just lower half of a figure inside of this glowing stationary fireball. And um, eventually the fire department gets out there. And as soon as they get there, the light just flickers out on the ground and disappears. And the fire people are, what the hell? What, what just happened? All of them go up closer to where this happened now. Um, and all they see on the ground is this uh, oval-shaped, like, perfect oval-shaped um, impression, I guess, mm-hmm. on the ground of ash and sand and nothing else. So whatever this thing was, it just, like a, like a light switch, went off and was gone. Um, but there was no burning around there there was no smell of fire absolutely nothing um and they look up and the thing the v formation is still hovering above them um it eventually disappears and they think that's it um fire department kind of just throws some water on it just in case and then it goes away um and dalen and her partner were kind of just left there dumbfounded and when they went to their superiors uh her commander uh they actually made Dalen and her partner take drug tests because they thought that they had been on something um, and told her and her partner that obviously you guys, you like, maybe there was something there, but you're making up the rest. Like, so don't put any of this in the report that you have to make. So basically uh, they were told not to talk about it. And, and that was kind of it. And, you know, Dalen kind of kept this in like many military people do for many, many years until she started listening to Summer in the Skies and said, I've got a crazy ass story. Um, I It might be too weird for you, but here it is. And, and that's a story she gave me. And um, I was blown away, man. Like just the, the detail she puts in this and you can read it in the book is just amazing. And um, and and it stuck with me as something really, really unique. You know, you don't just have the UFO overhead. You now have something on the ground, on a military base, happening in real time. And then after all of this, uh, being told, yeah, you made it all up. Uh, it's got to be frustrating. It, it, I, I can't even imagine what her and so many other military people go through when they try to report these things. And they're told, nope, you're not. So, yeah, that's one that really sticks out to me. I'd like to thank Blendjet for sponsoring this episode. You know I am already a huge fan of the Blendjet 2. It's a brilliant bit of kit and many of you have picked one up using my promo code, so thanks. I am delighted to let you know it's just got even better. The new Orbiter drinking lid truly puts the Blendjet 2 into the atmosphere ahead of its competition. 
It's leak-proof, has a larger opening for thick smoothies with room for a straw, and it's engineered to keep spills at bay. I'm surprised Bob Lazar didn't talk about seeing this tech in the halls at S4. It's easy to use, so it can be operated one-handed, ideal for walking around, camping under the stars, or drinking on the treadmill. What are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. Don't forget to add the Orbiter lid, and be sure to use the promo code THATUFO12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code THATUFO12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Yeah, I love that. And um, I think in my head, when people are telling me these kind of things, you start to paint a mental picture of what's going on and what it looks like. And I'm sure everyone done that who is listening, who, who has that kind of functionality in their heads. And I started thinking kind of Doctor Strange, you know, when he makes his portals and you can right. see the other side of it and it's a different place. There's people there and thinking of, you know, Endgame as they all come through and you can see the different figures. And, and it makes you think, is it, Again, is the more you get into the UFO topic, you come away from it's just aliens coming on a craft from a different planet. Is it a different dimension, different reality? Is that a bit of a mix of both? Because you've got the craft or you've got something above head, let's say, and you've got something on the ground manifesting, whether it's an orb, a fire orb, a portal, whatever it might be. And I think in my head, I start to start to think of that. Um, so yeah, really, really cool story. Um, if anyone else can visualize that differently, it'd be interesting to hear, hear otherwise. But what 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 do you think when you hear that kind of story? Do you go to and I'm from a conclusion point of view, is that a craft that's manifesting a portal down beneath? Do you think it's they're beaming down? Do you know what? I'll shut up and just ask you the question. What do you think the conclusion is there? What what's happening? So this actually harkens back to my first book, and I didn't really make these comparisons until a few nights ago. Like literally, I was in bed thinking about some of these stories. Um, because the book was now out there and I'm like, oh, I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, oh, what are people going to think of this story or this one? Um, and I still talk to a lot of people from both uh, editions of my original book and this new one all the time. Like we still, I, I talk to so many witnesses constantly to see if these things are still happening or if they've had an evolution in thought about what it might be. Um, so I talk to Dalen a lot. Um, but anyways, I... I like sat up in bed because I had this light bulb moment of connection between a story from my first book and Dalen's book. And that was the story of Chase Kletsky, um, who had this really dramatic event happen um, that I told at the Manchester event that you and I spoke at recently. And um, that was as a MUFON field investigator. Chase saw what she believes was a gray alien being in a cornfield in the middle of the U.S. Uh, in the Midwest. And um, there were crafts seen overhead while all this was happening as well. And since, you know, coming out with that story in my book and, and Chase has talked about it on other interviews as well, um, a lot of people looked at that story as, huh, it sounds like the UFO like brought down the beings to do whatever they're doing and like something happened and this was like a rescue mission to try to get get the being back or whatever. And it, and it failed. Um, yep. so I kind of looked at it, this as, Oh shit. What if like this UFO that Dalen saw in the outback of Australia in 2009, what if it's a similar thing where like they were scoping out this base 
You know, a lot of these UFOs are seen over military installations, nuclear installations. Um, and kind of when they noticed that someone was coming out there and was, was, was saw it that boom, like the being just like you said, Dr. Strange did and disappeared back into the, the portal or the UFO. I don't know, but, um, the, the similarities were striking, uh, for me. So, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. If we want to go in terms of like theorizing, I feel like whatever that fire figure thing was on that military installation, it was out there for some reason. I don't know that reason, but as soon as Dalen, um, started talking about seeing the UFO in the sky, they're probably like, Oh, we've been, we've been outed. Like we, we gotta, we're done. We're done here. Moving on. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Ask me tomorrow. I'll probably have a completely different answer for you. No, that's fair. And I think a lot of us are like that. I've always said I've got a very fluid opinion with the UFO topic and sightings and different things. So as new evidence comes up or new opinions, it lets me kind of make my own malleable and, and kind of move it about a little bit. And um, <laughs> the other two parts were sightings and close encounters. So do you want to pick one of those and, and dig into one of the cases? Yeah, sure. Um, the close encounter ones, I'm still kind of working my way through them. But the one that really kind of stood out to me was uh, this guy in, um, Mike was his name, um, in New Jersey in the U.S. Uh, he and a friend had a black triangle UFO sighting uh, that occurred. They were in their car driving. They see this massive black triangle in the sky uh, just darts off and disappears. Okay, cool. Just yet another black triangle sighting to add to the yeah. many others that have happened. Um, but that was, you know, I thought the end of the story until he's like, so we park the car at, you know, near my house and we get out to go into my house and walking down the sidewalk is just a gray alien. Just, you know, moseying right down the sidewalk of New Jersey, um, stark naked, walking by as if you know <laughs> it had just come from the grocery store or something. Um, so it sounds utterly ridiculous now that I'm saying it out loud. Um, and even when I originally heard the story, I'm like, what? But then, you know, he goes into, um, you know, how he and his friends, his friend reacted to all this. And it was with utter uh, just bewilderment that neither of them wanted to talk about it. You know, he, he said, did you just see that? And his friend was like, yep. Well, should we discuss that? Nope. And, and that was kind of it. So take that for what you will. Um, that was a, that was a small section called, uh, alien on the sidewalk. I believe I called it in the book. Um, so that is a very close encounter. Um, as, as for sightings, um, let oh, me God. just add to that. Add to that one. Yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight away, I think you mentioned earlier. There's a play there, Ryan. That could literally be the opening of a play, and then the rest of it is those two guys on a couch in their house talking about what just happened. And there you go. So if you want to write that one up, <laughs> I'll I'll take a small credit from you. Um, Absolutely, man. In my head, though, someone in a costume walking past. You know, someone dressed up. Could be. Absolutely. But it would have like, to be a small child. I'm guessing, not you know, potentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Really short and, you know, I, I never, I never, again, I, I'm, the book isn't to explain these things by any uh, stretch of the imagination. That's not what I set out to do. Um, but yeah, like this all could have been some weird, I don't know, 
marketing ploy, a prank. Um, they could be making it up. I, I don't believe they are, honestly. Again, like I've spoken to this gentleman many, many times. Um, he even showed me journal entries that he had made that day. You know, he was very, very big on, um, you know, journaling every day. And he showed me like, here it is. Like, here's the date. I can't prove that I wrote it on this date, but you know, it's in between these dates. This is what happened. And he laid it out for me, showed me images of the journal entry and, um, talked about how it made him feel and this and that. And, um, and there you go, man. So like, again, it comes down to, um, a gut feeling. And I believe something happened to these two guys. I, I honestly do. Whether or not an actual alien gray walked down the sidewalk after they had this UFO sighting, I can't tell you. Um, but yeah, I thought it was an interesting story and, and I just wanted to get it out there for his sake. Um, so yeah. That, I'll that's add, one. Let me add, I'll be fair. And your phrase there, it could be um, you you actually repeat that several times on the the video you regret posting on Twitter um, about 12 <laughs> hours ago, because yeah. if you've not seen it, jump onto Ryan's Twitter. You'll see uh, he posted a video. We can discuss that if you like briefly, if you want. Sure. Um, and you ask people, what do you think it is? And people, all kinds of stuff. And obviously you get a lot of trolling and everything. And yeah, very good. It, you, you, it just happens in the topic. But a lot of people suggesting uh, one was a spider making a web, potentially you know, artifact on the camera, laser pointer. And your, your response was, could be. that. That's fair enough because it could be. There's a lack of data around it for you to find that. Um, and I think with with stories like that and, and the ones I hear, and even my own or your own, if people say, well, it could have been this. Yeah, it could be. I, I, I don't know. That's, that's the issue. I'm not saying it is or isn't. And even if something as ridiculous or incredible as someone saw or two guys saw a great alien walk past them in the street it, it could have been yeah like, that, that's the thing as wild as all this sounds we don't know that in that moment at that time they saw something they weren't meant to or they were meant to they just saw two different realities crossing over at the same point and just happened to be the right place the right time the wrong place at the right time whatever you want to say and there it was and maybe if you look at the other side of it, that grey saw them and had a similar story to tell that I just saw two weird looking figures walking past me and <laughs> then they were gone. Yeah. You know? And that might be the story on the other side of it. Right, man. I, I you know, and that kind of harkens back to this idea in the paranormal world. Um, you know, I, I speak a lot to the, a gentleman named John E.L. Tenney. Um, if you haven't had him on your show, I highly suggest getting him on. He's just a wealth of information. Um, but he comes up with all these theories in the paranormal world of what ghosts could be. Um, and he always talks about, like, look, people are surprised to see an apparition, but imagine what they must be thinking. Maybe they're on the other side of it being like, whoa, what was that I just saw? Why is that person wearing, like... Um, you know, what you and I are wearing right now, but they're from the 1800s and vice yep. versa. Maybe they're like, oh my God, it's someone from the future when we're yep. like, oh my God, it's someone from the past. Um, so I always find that interesting too. Maybe these UFOs are just as surprised and the intelligence behind them are just as surprised to see us as we are of them. It doesn't mean they're coming into our reality. Maybe we're for some reason stepping into theirs for just a, a small moment as well, a glimpse into this other realm or reality. I don't know. 
I don't know. All I know is this guy submitted a story to me with an alien walking down the sidewalk. And I said, huh, all right, let's let's put it out there and see what people have to say. And Mike knew that. The guy who, who reached out to me said, I know this is going to sound crazy. And you and I get that all the time. I know oh, this God, is going to yeah. sound nuts. I know this is going to sound weird. But, and then out comes the story. So when they do say that, that actually comforts me. Because I'm like, okay, it's not like they're being like, hi, I saw an alien walk down the sidewalk. It's 100% real. I know what it was. They came from Zeta Reticuli. No, this is just someone who saw something they could not explain. And by prefacing it with, yeah, I know this sounds a little nuts, but I'm like, okay, at least you acknowledge that this is not something you hear every day. And that, yeah, it does sound crazy. They acknowledge that, but I'm still going to tell it to you because this is my truth. This is what happened. Absolutely. And then that last part was was sightings, which is the larger part of the book, part one. Um, plenty of those in there. Do you want to dig into either one of your favorites or, or anyone you want to talk about? Yeah, sure. There um, oh gosh, so many. Um, the one I'm coming to right now, uh, the Fife Scotland one is probably one of my favorites, the the black blob that ascended. Um, but there's another one that really stuck out to me, and that was from a woman named Elle um in Ohio in the US. And back in 2001, um, she was only seven years old at the time, uh, but she recalls during a birthday party um, going out to the backyard at some point to, to get something. And um, she saw a flying saucer just, just hovering in the sky. Um, okay, cool. Prototypical dome-shaped flying saucer. Um, but what really stuck out to me is um, when she told me about it, she said that it was literally just floating maybe like 10 feet off the ground in front of her and it was tiny. So we're not talking like what you would, you would usually see of like a massive craft or anything. This is mm. like a little tiny flying saucer, like out of the Flintstones or something, you know, the, the little Martian that that's hovering in his little yep. thing that barely fits him. Um, that's basically what she saw. Just this tiny flying saucer hovering there. Um, and she also said, uh, and this really stuck out to me. She said, I sometimes remember seeing a blurry figure in the dome of the craft, but sometimes I don't remember that, which I found fascinating as well. Um, and that really goes to the idea of memories faulty. And yeah. that is a huge detriment in the UFO field and, and something people will debate forever. Like, oh, this happened when you were seven. Cool. I don't believe any of it because memory fills in gaps of things all the time. I get it. I get it. Um, you and I struggle with that too, with our own sightings. Um, this is what really stuck out to me though. Um, I'll wrap this up with her thing is she said to me, uh, seeing is believing, but I guess sometimes even seeing it can't make you believe it, which, um, I found really interesting, even though this happened, uh, she doesn't want it to have happened. She, she doesn't want to believe it. In fact, she doesn't believe it. But something inside of her made her want to still tell the story. And maybe that's enough for her. She's like, okay, I think this happened. Um, Here, take it. I don't want it in my life anymore. And look, if that's the closure she needs, awesome. Um, It's now out there. She can move on with her life. But uh, yeah, I found that interesting that, you know, I start the book with this quote about seeing is believing. Um, and then I had someone in the book literally say, seeing is believing, but sometimes even seeing it can't make you believe it. Um, 
yeah, found that a fascinating kind of uh, dichotomy there. So yeah, yeah, that was one that stuck out to me. I think it's a really useful book as well because when I, what I was thinking when I was digging through it, you don't have to read it chapter 1 to 20 because it's not that type of book. You could literally jump about and just read the stories, put it down, go read story 7, put it down. You know, jump to number 20 just from the titles. You've gave them all kind of quirky titles, haven't you? Um, could almost be individual plays. It's not just, yeah. you know, triangle sighting, you know, whatever it was. Um, but then once you're finished with it, if indeed you're finished, it's a good book to either pass on to someone else or if you're having that conversation with friends, like I've thought I could get a copy of this and stick it in my work where I work in, you know, I work in a call center, essentially uh, doing a different job than on, than on the phones for, you know, a little highlight for people there to keep behind the curtain. Um, but we've got like a bookshelf and it's the kind of thing you could stick down. People will pick up and go, oh, I'll read a couple of pages and get something from it. And it kind of draws them into the UFO topic, um, which I really like because we don't always have time to sit down and read a book page one to page 250. It's just not always possible. So I like that format in a book. Um, really useful. I, I, I love this type of book and I'm going to label it as possibly, you know, like a book you can find in a toilet and not yes. as paper, Ryan, not as toilet paper for those who want to, tr you know, uh, troll you. Thank you for um, uh, clarifying yeah, that. Yeah. But <laughs> I used to have books when I was like a young single guy um, that had loads of cool stories about weird experiments that had been done throughout time by different organizations or factions and, you know, LSD on elephants and what the military would do to stuff and, you know, that kind of quirky thing. And I would set it on my toilet that if people were going in, they could pick it up and just a couple of minutes sifting through it and go, oh, that's quite interesting. And then go and pick up a copy of it themselves or you know yeah. whatever or steal it you know and they could definitely do that sits on a coffee table sits on a bookshelf and it could quite rightly sit beside any of Jacques Vallée's works as well so um you've covered the bases there from toilets to Jacques Vallée there's uh, uh, my review for you what Ryan, a journey man yeah, I'm quoting stars. that <laughs> that's going up on the uh the book cover for sure but that's also why you never asked me to do the foreword for it because it would be like, yeah, you could sit on the toilet and have a great time reading this. Yeah, no, dude, um, I take that as a compliment because, yeah, it's not like a chronological journey by any by any stretch of the imagination. It is a book of stories, and I make that very clear. Literally, it's in the title, Stories from My Podcast. It's as self-explanatory as can be, and everyone has a story, and I honestly feel that every story has value and adds to whatever this thing we call ufology is or isn't. And um, yeah, no, I truly appreciate that. Um, I do. I, I think, I think people will dig it. Um, and, you know, maybe they won't believe everything in the book, but maybe one of the cases will stick out to them or make them remember, Oh wait, I think I might've seen something similar to that. So um, yeah, it's kind of my way of telling people, like if you have a story to tell, just tell it so that we have it. Um, you don't have to go on a million podcasts to talk about it. Um, you don't have to like, you know, go on television and talk about it or whatever. You don't ever have to talk about it again. But let's just get it down so that we have it somewhere and preserve it. Because, um, yeah, it's only going to help us, hopefully help us try to understand these things. Yeah, you don't have to be famous. You don't have to be a name to talk about it. Go on your podcast, go on mine, go on someone else's or or just tweet about it, Instagram it, whatever you want to do. If you're one of the kids, TikTok it, you know, as they do. <laughs> but it's just, you know, if you want to share your story, there are platforms and ways to do it. And other people are quite happy to listen. And Ryan, I think people like myself and yourself know that better than anyone, that people do want to listen to what you've got to say for whatever reason that might be. Um, so yeah, don't be scared to put your story out there. And my final question was going to be, 
what do you want people to who pick up a copy of the book to take away from it? Is that what it is you want them to think? Think, do you know what, maybe I've seen something and talk about it? Yes. I mean, yeah, uh, I sorry that I kind of jumped ahead for you there, but no, um, no. yeah, I think so. Um, I, I just want people to understand like these things are weird and they're scary and they're beautiful and they're everything in between. And that's, again, that comes from the playwriting playwriting side of me is um, everyone Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has a story to tell. And I want to give them a place to do that. And that remains somewhere in the skies. But I wanted to transcend that too. Like I want them to be like, okay, now that I talked about it, um, now I can try to understand it. So I've had people tell me um, after I heard it on your show, uh, I reached out to that person and told them that I had a similar experience. And now we're like, we're working through that together. That happens all the time, which I think is awesome. Like it, it's bringing people together instead of um, kind of dividing people in terms of their belief systems and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's 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 a book that will inspire others to come forward, and, and I hope that's what happens. I've already had it happen since people have read the book. They've been like, "I'm ready to tell my story," and dude, like that's that's all I could ever ask for is for one more person. To be like, I saw something, um, and I want to talk about it, and that's that's great. Keeps the conversation going, and hopefully someday we'll get some answers on all of this, or maybe not. I don't know. There's only one small thing I think you should reach out to your publishers to change, and this has came to me as we've been talking about it, Ryan. The story with the guys where they see the grey walking down the street. Hopefully, hopefully they listen to this and hear it. But um, can you change the name of that story to Streetwalker Ranch? Because for me, that would be absolutely ideal for for what I've got in my head. Oh my gosh, I love it, man! You gotta, I gotta give you credit for so much of these um these edits for the (laughs) for the next edition of this book for sure. (laughs) Yeah, but no, listen, uh, people can pick it up uh, on Amazon. Is that the best way to do that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's on Amazon in paperback and ebook. Uh, I think it's at Barnes and Noble as well in the United States and. And hopefully you'll be able to order it here in the UK in bookstores as well soon. We're working out deals on that now. And um, I should mention that we will have an audiobook coming in the very near future. Uh, Beyond the Fray Publishing, the, the publishers I work with are excellent with that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, if you want to hear the audio version of this book, uh, it should be coming hopefully very soon. Fingers crossed. And I won't be reading that, so folks, don't worry. That's uh, it'll be someone whose uh, inti- language is understood easily. So yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> That's what you think, buddy. I'll do the Scottish version of it. But yeah, Ryan, as always, brilliant to speak to you. Please, folks, go out and pick up a copy of Stories From Somewhere in the Skies by Ryan Sprague. Link in the description, but you can go onto Amazon and just type in Ryan Sprague or Somewhere in the Skies, and it'll come up. And while you're there, just pick up a copy of the first one as well. Might as well. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate your time. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see.
wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fork. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window when I shoved out the... Hi everyone, if you listen to the podcast on an Apple device, you can support directly by going on to Apple Podcasts and clicking the subscribe button. And for less than the price of a coffee per month, you can get early access to episodes, episodes in full, and no adverts or sponsorships like this one you're hearing now. It also supports directly to me at the podcast, so thank you very much. Also, don't forget to go and leave the podcast on Apple a five-star review, and make sure you click the follow button too. Thanks.